This is Surfing Through Cinema. I'm your host, Hawaii Harry. Today, I'll be discussing the next film for Disney Week. This is another of the package films Disney made during the 1940s, and the last one to contain more than two shorts. This is another musically-themed film, and it incorporates live actors as well as animated characters. This week is all about Melody Time. Okay, so some technical details about Melody Time. Um, so like I said, it was the last package film with more than two animated segments. So every film afterwards, including Ichabod and Mr. Toad, had two or less stories that were incorporated into one film. And, you know, many felt that this uh, anthology type of thing was getting tired out and um, wasn't as popular anymore. So it kind of, this movie kind of suffered and didn't gain as much money as the other ones. <clears throat> but that being said, they were able to justify producing a much higher quality and higher production film. That would be Cinderella, which would be, <clears throat> which would be released a couple years after this one. Um, until recently on Disney Plus, this movie was heavily edited, mainly with smoking scenes. Um, but the strange part about it, like I've said a few times on Instagram and a couple other places, um, there's another segment where there is still smoking in it. So there's no real reasoning and no logic as to why they cut out smoking in some parts, but not in other parts. And, uh, but this is a tradition that seems to be pretty common now of Disney editing some films from the 1940s. And <clears throat> like I've talked about before with Make Mine Music, um, they, they've continually edited them. So now we'll get into the plot. And uh, like the other anthology films, this has seven different separated shorts. So I'll go over each of those one by one. And uh, the first one's called Once Upon a Winter Time. So two lovers, they're riding around and ice skating, and their names are Jenny and Joe. And uh, while they're figure skating, there's also some rabbits that are kind of copying them. It's a boy and girl rabbit who are also ice skating, and Jenny and Joe get into an argument, and so do the rabbits, and uh, both the women storm off, and then the men storm off, and then get knocked out and frozen in the ice. Uh, Jenny and the girl rabbit, what they're not paying attention to is the lake is breaking up and going off a waterfall. And eventually they're trapped on a little ice block. And uh, Joe and the boy rabbit, they have to chase him down the lake to try and save them before they fall off the waterfall. And they're able to do so, and then they're able to make up, and that's the end of it. But the next one's called Bumble Boogie. And in this one, a bee is flying around flying away from musical notes and piano keys, piano keys, and this is to the tune of Rimsky-Kosakov's Flight of the Bumblebee. And so he's flying around, there's notes chasing him, there's piano keys trying to slam on him, but it's all to the beat of the song Flight of the Bumblebee. And they call it Bumble Boogie because there's more um, like trumpets and other instruments to make it more uh, contemporary. And uh, no dialogue at all. It's just the song, just the music. And uh, that's, that's basically that one. 
Then the third one is The Legend of Johnny Appleseed. And this is the second longest animated segment. And this relays the story of Johnny Appleseed planting apple trees across the Midwest. He felt um, he wanted to join the pioneers, but he felt he was kind of weak and small. And then his guardian angel kind of encourages him to use what he has to help benefit others. And so he goes around the Midwest and starts planting the apple trees and spends his whole life, you know, building the forests. And this is one of the few animated shorts Disney has done based on American folklore. Although Johnny, John Chapman, I believe was his real name, um, who really did plant apple trees, this is based off of the legend of him where he planted all the apple trees across America. You know, Johnny lives a full life and then eventually he passes on into the next one and he's a little reluctant, but his, uh, his guardian angel comes along and says, come on, we got more work to do up here. And the apple trees are in a really cool formation, kind of forming a pathway up into the heavens. And it's done in a contemporary painting style and it's really beautifully animated. And so that's the legend of Johnny Appleseed. <clears throat> then the fourth one is about Little Toot. And this is a, a story written by a contemporary author at the time. And a small tugboat, his name is Little Toot, he's wild and gets into all kinds of mischief. But he's trying to be like his dad, Big Toot. So Little Toot, <clears throat> Little Toot, he's pulling his little boat. And uh, he gets in the way of his dad, who's pulling this really big ocean liner. And the ocean liner ends up crashing into the city and causing all kinds of chaos. And then, you know, Little Toot, he's taken into basically prison and he's locked onto a buoy. Um, but then he sees there's an SOS call. He finds another ocean liner who's stuck in rocky formation. So Little Toot connects to it and he pulls the, the big ocean liner back to the city and he's kind of hailed as a hero and then now he's pulling boats like his dad. And this is all accompanied by singing by the Andrews sisters and this is the final film they would ever do in their whole career. Alright, then the fifth segment is called Trees and Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians and they sing a song that's based off of a poem called Trees from 1913. And the trees are changing throughout the various seasons. We kind of see different coloring and different um, lighting and it's, um, <clears throat> and it's beautifully animated. It's probably the most beautiful animated segment. And this is kind of comparable to in a Make My Music and some of the other ones where they also have a middle segment where it's just singing and beautiful scenery and background. It seems that whenever Disney made these anthology films, they would have one segment just like that. Then the next one, the sixth one, is called Blame It on the Samba. So Jose Carioca and Donald Duck, they're kind of down and sad. And then they run, run into the Arakuan bird. He was the one in Three Caballeros that was kind of bouncing all over the place. And he introduces them to samba music. And they physically um, change. They go from being you know, really sad and blue and they become happy and jovial. And eventually they get transported into this kind of drink that their, um, the Arakuan bird has. They start seeing a, a live actress played by uh, Ethel Smith. She's playing an organ and playing some polka music, and it's a little rambunctious and crazy, but 
Nevertheless, another instance of live action with animated characters. And, uh, <clears throat> but that's pretty much it. It ends after that. Then the seventh segment, and the last, is about the legend of Pecco's Bill. Roy Rogers, who's a famous Western actor from the 30s and 40s, he and his friends are gathered around a fire pit, and he's telling them the story of Pecco's Bill. And Pecco's Bill, um, he started out as a pioneer. You know, his parents were trekking across the West. <clears throat> but he's knocked out of their cart, and then he ends up being raised by coyotes. And he's really wild, really rambunctious, and a pretty overpowered uh, cowboy. You know, he's one of the best at wrangling. He's one of the best at shooting guns. He even uh, uh, catches a tornado and uses it to light a cigarette. Until one day he meets Slewfoot Sue. And he's instantly infatuated with her, totally in love. And uh, she rides into town and there's a competition going on. on riding around horses. And she wears a pretty big dress that's full of springs and it's really, you know, bouncy and she falls off her horse and starts bouncing up and down until eventually she bounces so far she lands on the moon. And Pecco's Bill is devastated. He he starts howling to the moon like other coyotes and uh, Roy Rogers tells the audience this is why coyotes howl at the moon. It's because they're howling for um, Slewfoot Sue. Yeah, that, those are all the animated segments. Um, I'm going to go on a break real quick, but first, here's a message from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's how. It's totally free. There are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast from your computer and even your cell phone. But that's not all. Anchor distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a complete podcast all in one small place. So go on and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. Go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you could compare candidates based on stances on issues, biography, or endorsements. And then save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. Make sure you have a plan to vote. So go to BallotReady.org and enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. Okay, so we're back from our break. Now I'm going to get into some critical reviews and my personal reviews about Melody Time. When Melody Time initially was released in 1948, um, Time Magazine celebrated the global scope of the music and the characters in it. Um, they felt that, that in particular with the Blame It on the Samba, that this kind of helped incorporate different cultures into an American film. Um... But besides that, the film was generally unfavorable by many critics and stating that it was kind of stale and subpar to classic Disney movies. Um, but like I said earlier, um, they still ended up making enough money to finance Cinderella. 
So the plus side of them making this movie was they were able to finance one of Disney's greatest classics. In a more contemporary review by Jerry Beck, who wrote the book The Animated Movie Guide, he gives it a 2 out of 5 and says that it's pretty forgettable. Um, the animation is okay. It kind of seems that the animators were struggling to do something creative. They felt pretty restricted. And um, he felt it kind of suffered. Um, but he believes that the best animated segment is the Johnny Appleseed and the Pecos Bill um, because of their storytelling and because of their pretty... Um, <clears throat> and because of the message that they give. Um, and if you, you know, look at Disney fans nowadays, um, you don't hear a lot of people talking about this movie. You'll hear people talking about maybe the Pecos Bill or the Johnny Appleseed, both of which have been released on different uh, VHS and DVD releases and musical ones. Uh, but that's about it. There's not a whole lot of attention or care for this movie. All right, so now I'll get into my personal opinion. Um, I agree with Jerry Beck. The best segments were the Pecos Bill and Johnny Appleseed. Um, I think the songs were more memorable and the storytelling of it was memorable. I really liked how they got Roy Rogers and other famous uh, Western actors at that time. That was a pretty cool touch to it. It made it more, uh, more likable. And then the Johnny Appleseed, I really liked the message behind it that um, we could use our resources to help benefit others. I think that's a really good, really good thing a lot more people should look into. Um, but other than that, I think the worst one is the Blame It on the Samba, sadly. You know, as much as I love Donald Duck and Jose Carioca, um, it just felt out of place compared to the rest of it. It, it didn't really fit in. And I thought the polka music went on a little too long and it was pretty loud. And it, it seemed a little weird. I'm not too familiar with um, samba music or South American music, if that matter. But it didn't seem to fit together, starting out with samba dancing music and then combining it with polka music. Maybe that is how you typically do it. But coming from a, an average moviegoer standpoint, it seemed out of place. And then my last point, it's pretty forgettable, you know, despite Johnny Appleseed and Peko's Bill being in it, um, it's still pretty forgettable. I don't, I had a hard time remembering a lot of this, so I had to do a lot of research. I even had to watch it twice. It, it's pretty forgettable and definitely not biz, Disney's best. And uh, I find it really strange that they cut it, like they cut some parts out of it with Pecos Bill smoking a cigarette, but they didn't cut out Jose Carioca smoking a cigar. I thought that was a little weird and out of place. Um, and I just think it's weird in general that they cut certain parts out of movies. I think they should leave it the way it is, but if they want to add a disclaimer, that's fine. But I really don't think cutting parts out is a good thing. To me, that's, you know, censoring and saying that this never happened. It's a little... A little alarming that they do that. Alright. But those are my thoughts and feelings about Melody Time. Next time, I'll be discussing the next film for streaming through cinema. And uh, this is a film that has some of the most beautiful shots and be beautiful music accompaniment there is. From the great director Wong Karwai 
this next episode is about In the Mood for Love. Well, until next time, this has been Surfing Through Cinema with Hawaii Harry. Take care. Thank you for listening to Surfing Through Cinema. Make sure to check us out on Facebook at Surfing Through Cinema with Hawaii Harry and on Instagram with Surfing Through Cinema. We also have a website, www.anchor.fm forward slash surfing through cinema, where you can learn more details on upcoming episodes and on past episodes.